0: Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast that replaces preacherly burnout with the Spirit's fire. I'm the Rev. Dr. Rachel Wren, ordained Lutheran Pastor and Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary.
1: And I'm Tim McNinch, a PhD candidate and instructor at Emory University. This week we're bringing you preaching tips and insights from Jeremiah 1, 4-10, the first reading for January 30th. Rachel's up this week. If you finished listening to today's episode and you're itching for some more on Jeremiah 1, check out our past episode where we cover the same text with Reverend Dr. Brent Strawn. You can find that on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. And the easiest way is just to search for Jeremiah, and it'll come right up. For now, Rachel's up. What do you got, Rachel? What do you got, Rachel?
0: Yeah... (laughs)
1: <laughs> did you did you not prep for this week?
0: No, I did.
1: Uh okay.
0: Uh, so here's the thing. So first off, as you said earlier, we already have a really great episode on this text with the Reverend Dr. Brent Strawn. But secondly, oh. this is one of those really strange misses on the part of the lectionary authors. I mean, here we have a direct quote from the Hebrew Bible, multiple of them actually. In the verses that directly precede this pericope, the Lucan authors even picture Jesus in the verses just before this pericope, standing there with a Hebrew Bible scroll, reading directly from Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 2 and 58, 6, and then today, citing two stories from the book of Kings. And none of those that are directly quoted are the first reading for today. Huh.
1: Yeah, that, that is interesting. If I were putting together a lectionary, I would probably include those for some background, at least, on the New Testament reading from Luke.
0: Oh, exactly. If you've got direct references to the Hebrew Bible texts in the gospel, it stands to reason that it might benefit our understanding of that gospel text to talk about those Hebrew scriptures that are quoted, don't you think?
1: Sounds like a great idea to me. So so you've got some thoughts on uh, I- Isaiah or on the story of Elisha and yeah, Kings? Yeah. So-
0: Right, so here's what I'm thinking, like I'm not going to tackle all of those because while that would be fun for me and fun for fun for you, not all of our listeners are nerds the way we are nerds
1: We're, we've been we've been looking forward to a good three hour episode
0: <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> So I've restrained myself. You're welcome. And I think let's sit for a little bit with like Elijah and the widow of Zarephath, because I think there's something in that text in particular that really does help us understand Jesus in the gospel lesson. And more importantly, like the people in the gospel lesson for today.
1: Oh, very interesting. So so since it's not in the lectionary, can you give us the reference again? Where are we looking in the Hebrew Bible?
0: Yeah, sure. Exactly. This is in 1 Kings 17. It's the like third story about Elijah that we get in the whole Hebrew Bible. The way Elijah shows up on the scene, Elijah is one of the great prophets still considered one of the great prophets today in Judaism especially but his story in the bible is really kind of interesting because um it talks about the king at the time king Ahab who did worse than any of the kings that <laughs> were before him like right. was just an awful king was endorsing child sacrifice you know just Really, really bad stuff. And then Elijah just shows up on the scene. We don't get much of an intro into him at all. It just says, now Elijah, a Tishbite of Tishbi, came to Ahab and said. Uh Uh-huh. And what happens is, is Elijah puts a curse upon the earth and, um, the curse is that there shall be no rain for the next three years. Now, whole interesting conversation about how God feels about Elijah's curse, because typically when you have a prophet, they become a prophet by the word of the Lord showing up to them and giving them a message. Mm -hmm. Well, the word of the Lord doesn't actually show up to Elijah until after he's given his curse proclamation.
1: (laughs) That's interesting.
0: Yeah. So he's a really fascinating character in the first place. But the third story about him that we get in kind of this Elijah cycle is Elijah is sent to this widow, a widow of Zarephath Pretty much because Elijah is starting to starve and um, is about to die of thirst. And the reason Elijah is starving and about to die of thirst is because there's no rain in the land. Hmm. (laughs) Wonder how that happened. So God sends Elijah to this widow in this foreign land of Zarephath and says, I have ordained, really interesting use of that word, I have ordained this widow there to feed you. And so Elijah shows up to the widow and says, Bring me a little water. And as she's going to do that, he says, And bring me a little cake of bread in your hand. And she looks at him, this this plucky widow, she looks at him and says, as the Lord, your God lives, I have nothing to eat. I am gathering a few sticks so that I may take it home and bake the last bit of cake that I have so that my son and I may eat it and die.
1: <laughs> a bit of attitude, huh?
0: Right. Oh, it's fantastic. And the long and short of it is that doesn't happen. Elijah ordains this jar of meal of flour and this jug of oil to never be empty. And so she and her son can subsist and can last
1: through the mm-hmm. whole
0: famine. So, so that's sort of the main scope of the story there. And that's the one that Jesus is referencing.
1: Yeah. What, what a strange sort of grab out of the grab bag of Old Testament stories. What, oh, yeah. what do you think Jesus is doing with this? Why does he grab this Somewhat, you know, strange prophetic story in this encounter with the hometown crowd in Nazareth.
0: Yeah, it's really I mean, it's really a confusing moment because um, the people hear what Jesus says in the synagogue and are overwhelmed with awe at him and are like speaking well of him. And in response to their speaking well of him, Jesus kind of does this clapback. Like mm. he starts getting pretty sassy of saying, uh, Doubtless you will say to me, you know, you will quote this proverb, cure yourself, doctor, uh, but no prophet could do any good work in their hometown. And then he quotes these two prophets, Elijah and Elisha, who were both at certain points in their ministry sent to foreign widows. Mm-hmm. And And after he quotes that, it says the people became enraged so much so that they try to throw him off a cliff.
1: (laughs) That escalated quickly. (laughs) Right,
0: exactly. (laughs) So what you'll often hear in sermons on this one is like, well, Jesus is talking about including foreigners or including outsiders. And I think that's part of what Jesus is saying, but that's pretty insufficient for the the reaction and the strength of the reaction that Mm -hmm. the people in the synagogue have to him. So here's my theory. My theory is that Jesus is not only talking about being sent to foreigners who will be included in God's special promise to God's people, but he's also actually critiquing the people in the synagogue. Because the reason, or one reason, one might say, that Elijah was sent to foreigners in his time is because idolatry was rampant in Israel. Like, the way the text describes it, there was almost nobody left who was worshiping God in the way that God wanted to be worshiped, mm-hmm. who was who was acting in righteousness and living their lives in a faithful way to the Torah. And so by quoting this story about Elijah and the widow of Zarephath, Jesus isn't only talking about who's going to be included, but he's kind of talking about why the foreigners are going to be included. And it's because God shows up wanting people to partner with the divine plan and what God is finding in God's people is people who are absolutely unwilling to do that. Uh So there's a critique here that Jesus is throwing at the people who are listening in the synagogue. Now, this is going to be one of those sermons that you got to decide how you're going to preach it (laughs) because who are we in this text, Tim? <laughs> are we in churches today, Jesus or the widow of Zarephath?
1: Yes, we are Jesus. <laughs> if not Jesus, we're definitely Elijah.
0: Right. And if not those two, we're definitely the widow of Zarephath has been included, right?
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Oh, no. We are probably the people in the synagogue. We <laughs> are those who have this idea of how God's plan should work. And when it doesn't work according to the way we think it, we're kind of filled with some strong emotions. So I think, I mean, I think there's a, there's some interesting ways you could preach this text. You could just really lean hard into that angle if you wanted and see where it takes you in your congregation. Um, Another possible angle is to gentle that critique a little bit, not in a way that we feel it less, but in a way that perhaps it becomes a little more productive. Hmm. Because if we are the people in the synagogue, if we are the ones who are not practicing in the way that God wants us to, then the other suggestion is in the text is that God is sending people to us to tell us that. So it might be interesting to invite the folks in your congregation to reflect on if there's been any sort of widows of Zarephath in their life lately, or have there been any of these moments where They've had this sense that someone is telling them they're not following the way God wants them to follow. And is that perhaps something they should listen to?
1: Yeah. Often the the word of God comes to us from the unexpected places, yeah. the unexpected people. Yeah. And, and it, it helps every once in a while to get, you know, from, say, a sermon, <laughs> a nudge to open your eyes back up to those people around you.
0: Right, it, le- it and it links up to with what you were saying in a couple of past episodes about how it is the brokenhearted, it is the downtrodden, it is the outcast that are the recipients of God's love and in some way are instrumental to this mission that God is doing in the world. So
1: mm-hmm. listen, I like that. I I think that would be a like you say a productive way to yeah. to bring that kind of sharp critique into our congregations in a way that's invitational. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, we're perhaps encouraging you this week to preach from the New Testament.
0: That's right. <laughs>
1: but with a better foundation of understanding of of how the New Testament is drawing on yeah. themes and issues that are present in the the hebrew bible and
0: how we can both understand that story in luke better and also maybe preach out of it in a way that's a little bit more hearable
1: yeah well well thanks for taking a stab at that rachel and for giving us some avenues into uh, a tricky um but really interesting text yeah you're welcome all right well that'll wrap us up for this week If you want to catch up on episodes of First Reading, you can find them all over at our website, firstreadingpodcast.com, where you can also make a donation to support the work that we're doing, if you would like. If not, no sweat. You can also find all of our episodes and interact with us on our Facebook page. And uh, if you've been longing your whole life for a First Reading coffee mug... Preach. It can be yours.
0: Yes, preacher. (laughs)
1: We are also quite grateful to Trinity Lutheran Seminary for the grant that they've given us that helps support what we're doing. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch.
0: And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching.